It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. And guys, today we are going to look at Kentucky versus Texas A&M. If you would have told me a few weeks ago that this game was going to be a big-time matchup for the Aggies, I probably would have laughed at you just because of the way that A&M had been playing all season on the court. But now Buzz Williams has this team heading in the right direction. They're trending up. and They're looking like a team that's going to be someone to beat. So we're going to be talking a lot about them. And also, with the NFL Combine now in contention up at Indianapolis, four Aggies will go ahead to make their mark at joining the NFL ranks in Justin Matabike, Braden Mann, Courtney Davis, and Kendrick Rogers. We're going to preview all four of those guys throughout the rest of the week. Later this week, we're going to have Jordan Reed on from the Draft Network. He's going to help us out, give us some insight on some of the players from AM. But today, we're going to focus in on Braden Mann and potentially where he could land next season in the NFL level. Before we begin the show, just a couple housekeeping rules. Number one, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms. You can check us out at Locked On Aggies. That is your number one source for for all Locked On podcast information. We're a Monday through Friday show. We try to bring you content every single day surrounding all things Texas A&M. Check out all of our great work at Locked On Aggies or at the Locked On Podcast Network. Second, if you like what you hear and you want to read more about it, guess what? We got you covered there. All Aggies, part of Sports Illustrated and the Locked On Podcast Network, have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding all things Texas A&M. You can check out all of that great work at si.com slash T-A-M-U. Last but not least, if you like me, you want to follow me, you want to know what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, things you want changed, things you want to add to the show, it's really simple. My name is Cole Thompson. I'm a mister. That's my name. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked On Aggies. With the 2020 NFL Combine now in effect, we are starting to look at where these players are going to land. Over 300 athletes will make their mark in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium and potentially find a home with one of the 32 teams out there looking at the guys that they're hoping to bring to their roster. Texas A&M will feature four guys who are going to try and make their mark. There's seven total draftable players, but Deputy Renfro, Charles Oliver, and Colton Prater did not get the invite. Instead, Braden Mann, Kendrick Rogers, Courtney Davis, and Justin Matabike will be in attendance at Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll be talking about the later three sometime during the rest of the week, but today we want to focus in on Braden Mann because here's the reality of it. Punters are a last thought. If you feel comfortable enough looking at your position and you look at the players who have been successful, then you can take a late pick with a punter. If not, you're just going to pick one up in free agency. They're usually undrafted free agents. They're camp body invites. And depending on how they do, they either make or break the roster. Braden Mann is an enigma because of you could bring him onto your roster And he would be successful. The reality is, if your team's not set at every other position, he's going to fall down the draft board. Outside of Roberto Aguayo and Sebastian Janikowski in 2016 and 2001, respectively, 
you don't see special teamers go early. You see them as sixth, seventh rounders. You're going to use a pick on them because they're either super talented or you feel so comfortable at every other position except there. Maybe you go out and get him. Man is in that minority category of is he worthy of a draft pick? I think he is. I think a round six or seventh pick is very possible for someone like Man. Because at the end of the day, special teams are important to a roster. They're just not the critical factor to a roster, in my personal opinion. So I look at this and I say, okay, man, former Ray Guy Award winner, averaged 51 yards per punt, broke an NCAA record in 2018, last year averaged 49 yards per punt, still pretty good numbers, and you compare that to the NFL average right now, it's pretty close. I mean, the average right now for an NFL player who is a punter in the top 10 is about 44 yards. So he's actually out punting them. The problem is that where does he fit in that category? We're going to start looking around at that. Here are some teams where I definitely think that would make a lot of sense because if you look at their numbers from the year before. I definitely think you got to go with Atlanta number one. The Falcons need someone at punter. They had three guys punt throughout the season. Uh, you had Ryan Allen go 28 punts, Casey Redfern go nine punts, and then kicker Matt Basher, uh, who is also Matt Basher, who's also getting up there in age. He only had nine punts on the year, uh, so that's why his number, while he's ranked as the top punter in the league, he really wasn't. Logan Cook, I think, really was because of he had 75 punts, where both Matt Willie and Basher only had six and nine respectively. Atlanta could use a special teams player. If they get enough in the draft, this should be a dire need for them somewhere along the lines. So I definitely think that he would be a great fit in that system. Uh, I definitely think that if you feel comfortable enough wasting it, picking him in the seventh round, it'd make a lot of sense. Uh, next up would be uh, Chris Jones in Dallas. Jones averaged this year 37.7 yards per punt, and he had 50 punts. Man's outshining him by over 10 yards. And that's in what was considered a down year in Texas A&M. He is a Houston native. He knows Dallas pretty well. You know that they are going to need something in special teams. They've always had the uh, they've always had special teams problems this year. Between um, you look at Brian uh, uh, Mauer, Brett Mauer. You look at now this. If they can go sign everyone that they want in free agency and draft players. I would say somewhere in the early rounds, why not take him? I mean, this seems like a definitely Jerry Jones pick. Surprise the, surprise the crowd, surprise everyone. I could see him going there. Third, Buffalo. Uh, Corey Benzogas had 79 punts in the year. 38.2 is the average. 3,000 total yards in punt. I just look at this, and there's nothing out there that is screaming to me that he is an elite punter by the means of the word. Uh, and when you look at a team such as Buffalo, who's on the rise, who has all of their offensive pieces kind of in line, they have all of their defenders kind of ready to make a mark, they kind of know what they're doing, where Sean McDermott's offense is going, where the defense is kind of at. I don't see why you don't go after a guy like Mann with your late, late round pick. Add him, 
add another team element to special teams. The only thing that worries about me with him is he's a Texas-born guy. New era fields outside. Is that going to correlate over, especially in the winter months? Buffalo, in my personal opinion, is the coldest place to play because it is an outdoor arena where Minnesota's inside. So I think that kind of factors into it. And that's where we go to the next guy, and that would be Denver. Denver had multiple punters this year. Uh, Colby Wildman and Trevor Daniel both spent time with them. Uh, one averaged 43.5 yards per punt and 40 yards per punt on average. The other one averaged 39.4 yards per punt. He had 78 punts, 44 net average. Denver makes sense because they need a position, and they're a team that I think is definitely going to be one to reckon with in the AFC West in a year or two if Drew Locke pans out. But you're going to need someone on special teams. Is this going to work? Another team, of course, is Green Bay. J.K. Scott, former SEC native, Alabama. He had a down year. You look at his numbers, they weren't that impressive by any means. Average 44 yards per punt. The net average of 39.9 yards per punt. Same thing. Is the cold weather going to affect him? But overall, I think the team that definitely could use him and definitely has a need for him and also I think he would work very well in are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bradley Pinion had a down year, 43.2 yards per punt on average. Hang time, 38.2 yards in the air before it bounced. Bruce Arians is trying to build a contender out in Pewter, and I think that special teams being able to pin your opponent deep in their own end zone without touching back is something that could definitely change the game. And you look at the quarterbacks in the NFC South right now. Drew Brees, he knows how to work downfield. If Cam Newton comes back, he's going to be injured. Matt Ryan, how many more years does he have? Was that 2016 season where he won the MVP a fluke or was it dominant? Those are all things I look at and I wonder, if you add a guy like Mann to your special teams, will he step up and be a better player for it? So teams I think that definitely are going to be in the market for him. Buffalo, Denver, I think Green Bay, maybe if they want to part ways with J.K. Scott. Uh, Atlanta, Dallas, and Tampa Bay. We're going to turn our attention over to basketball. And the biggest thing that I'm going to take away from this is when Tuesday night comes around and you're looking at the court come 6 p.m., you're looking at the two coaches I think that are going to be in the contention for SEC Coach of the Year. And I'm going to break down why Buzz Williams is in contention in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me ask you a simple question. Are you listening to shows on the Locked on Podcast Network? If so, congratulations. You're doing something right. You should give yourself a big pat on the back. Go have an extra scoop of ice cream tonight. If you're not, let me ask you a question. Why not? Seriously, we have over two dozen college sports shows ready for your listening ears. Plus, with the NFL Combine going on, we have tons of shows at Locked on NFL. We also have great news coming out of the NBA at Locked on NBA. We have fantasy news, Locked on NHL, baseball season starting back up with Locked on MLB. And of course, you have our college shows. So make sure you're tuning in to all of our great content at LockedOnPodcast.com. Tonight, Texas A&M will host number 8 Kentucky for a chance to continue their winning ways. Here's the reality of this thought. A&M, this season, has been 
probably the most up and down team when it comes to basketball. There are so many moments when you look at this team under Buzz Williams. They're hitting all the talk talk of being a contender for the future. And then you look at some of the losses that they had. And Anthony Edwards double-double game in Athens. That's a problem. You also look at other news such as games against Arkansas early on. And then you look at their tournament games against Fairfield, Harvard, everyone out. They went on a four-game losing streak. Texas, another team that's kind of down. If AM were to be playing at this level when SEC play began, I truly believe that they would be one of those teams that you're seeing in Joe Lunardi's bubble bracket. First four out, next four out, last four in range. And because of that, that's why I think tonight decides who wins Coach of the Year in the SEC. 12 and 14, 14 and 12 for a record, and 8 and 6 in conference play. It's not something to write home about and go, yeah, congratulations, we just had a great year, but we're playing in the NIT. But you look at the way A&M has played and their last three games, how they've played against opponents. Those are all things I look at and wonder, maybe this is why Williams is starting to get that hype. And you have to look back at last game against Mississippi State to really kind of add up why A&M is getting the love they're getting right now. Season highs all across the board on offense. In points, 87. The highest in the SEC. The highest under Williams in his first year. 59% from the free th- uh, from the field goal range. 61%, my bad. They beat their 59.6% that they had back in November. Their first game under Williams was their highest scoring game. Until last week. Three-point shooting. 54%. This is the worst three-point shooting team in the SEC. And it's not close. But it's getting closer because of the way they've shot their last three games. I think right now they're averaging about 51% of their shots against Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi State. Offensive rebounds. They got a season high. Free throw percentage. 89.9%. 89.9%. Got a season high. Everything that was brought to the attention when Williams was hired is finally coming down. All the building blocks that you look at to make a good coach, you have with Williams. He was heralded at Marquette for when Tom Crean left, keeping the program afloat. And he actually built that program even up better than I think Crean did when he left for Indiana. Then he goes to Blacksburg. And he goes to Virginia Tech. Does the same thing. Back-to-back Sweet 16 appearances. This is the ACC we're talking about. This, this has Duke and UNC and a Florida State team that's been pretty dominant. And he's contending with them. He was keeping up with them every single time. And now you go to A&M. And... A couple weeks ago, I brought up on the show 
How many wins can they get to close up the season? They were on a two-game losing streak, and they had seven games left. And the seven games they were playing against, then three ranked opponents, back-to-back-to-back, a team they lost, two teams that they lost to in Georgia and LSU and Arkansas, the hottest team in the SEC in Alabama, and a probably tournament-bound Mississippi State team. Well, they were able to hold Anthony Edwards, the number one pick in the NBA draft next year, to a season low of six points. Alabama, who's relied on the three-point shooting, shot a career worst under Nate Oates. And Ben Howland's Bulldogs were blown out of the water. A look at this AM team is a scary thought. They are good. And not only are they good, they know exactly how to win. So you can't count them out when they're down anymore. That's the biggest takeaway I've learned from this game. AM is going to stick around. And Kentucky better be prepared. Because if they somehow stumble out of the gate, AM may not let them come back. One thing we know about Texas AM is that they love to fight in front of the fans at Reed Arena, and it is going to be a packed audience tonight when Texas AM takes the court. But will they keep their three game winning streak alive? We're going to talk about that in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas AM. Guys, real fast, make sure you're following us on social media at Locked On Aggies, at Aggies SI, and at Mr. Cole Thompson. Check out all of our great work at lockedonpodcast.com. And check out all of our great Texas AM work at si.com slash TAMU. All right, let's look at tonight's game and see some of the key factors that are going to decide if AM walks away with a four-game win streak or if they stop the win streak at three. Who's going to need to play well? One of the things I've noticed in the past couple games is it's always been a new player that's stepped up for AM. When you look this past week, the past three games, Emmanuel Miller was the big factor for the win over Georgia, season-high 21 points. Then you look against Alabama, Quentin Jackson in his first start, 20 points. Then you look this past week, Josh Nebo missed a consistency around the rim, 21 points. Wendell Mitchell, a veteran, 20 points, all coming in the second half. Who's going to be the guy this week stepping up for AM? That is a tough one. I personally think it's got to be Savion Flag. He's been the guy who's been shooting the best besides Wendell Mitchell around the three-point rim. And three-pointers are what make or break a team that are re- that's really good. The way A&M's been shooting recently in the three-point range has been playing in their favor. You look at the numbers across the board, I think that Flag is someone who can win not just behind the arc, he can win the field goal range, he's a starter, he hasn't had that breakout game. The one thing that you got to like about AM is you're now having multiple players, if not the entire starting lineup, finish with double-digit points. Flag, I think, needs to be the guy to really take that next step. And if it's not Flag, it's got to be the guy who's going to be coming off the bench as the sixth man, and that's Andre Gordon. Gordon was benched in favor of Jackson because of poor play in the last couple weeks. He hadn't hit double digits in the last five games. He hasn't really seen 
that much of more success since being benched. I think he's averaged six points per game, three points per game. I think it was six, four. Yeah, so five points per game. One of those two has to step up. And it could be in just crucial moments. It could be Kentucky going in on an 8-0 run and one of them lays up a three and turns the attention now towards AM's offense. It could be a steal that leads to a Josh Niebuhr or Quentin Jackson dunk. That's all it takes. It's one player stepping up who hasn't been that guy just yet that could crush the blow when something along the lines is going bad for AM. That's all it takes is one guy. So I'm going to go Sabian Flag or Andre Gordon has to be that guy tonight. On the flip side, the guy you have to compete against on Kentucky's sideline, I'm going to go with the one who probably is in contention with Anthony Edwards for Player of the Year, and that's Emmanuel Quickly. Quickly right now is earning SEC Player of the Week honors. Uh, it's his second time this season. He had a 21-point outing against LSU. Then he had a career-high 26 at home against Florida. He shot a combined 15-29 from the field, 6-10, 60% shooting threes, 6 total steals. He had 2 assists, only allowed 2 turnovers. He's almost flawless in free throws. He's averaging the team high of 15.7 points per game. Uh, he's scored at least double digits in 16 straight games. That's the longest streak since Malik Monk had 30 in 2016-17. He's passed the double-digit mark in 22 of the 26 games this season. He's had seven games of 20-plus points. Everything that he's done is something that you want at that next level. And as a freshman, he's earning that SEC freshman rights. He has been the base through injuries, through players dealing with sickness. I mean, you look over the past two weeks at what Kentucky has gone through. They've lost Nick Richards to an ankle. They've lost E.J. Montgomery to ankle. Johnny Juzang to illness. Nate Stenzia to a fractured wrist. Ashton Hagens has had thigh problems. And then Khalid Whitney left the team. Out of that together, Kentucky should not be leading the SEC by two games. They should probably be either the second or third team in the conference. But Quickly's kept them around. And Quickly has quickly turned himself into, I think, a high draft pick next season. Finally, what do I think happens? I think no matter what, this decides Coach of the Year. In favor of Buzz Williams. Let me make that clear. Win or lose, this will factor into Buzz Williams being SEC Coach of the Year. Because if it's a close loss to the team that's ranked in the net rankings, the 130 range, to a team that's in the top 10 in net rankings, and you're talking about, I don't know, somewhere in a 6 to, I'd go 11 point loss, that is a big, big win for AM. Maybe not on the scoreboard, maybe not on the court, but it's a win for the team's success moving forward it just shows that this was the right hire all along and that AM is heading in the right direction with Williams 
And if they can then close out the year with a win against a struggling LSU team, maybe get an upset over um, Auburn, and then play bracket buster to Arkansas, there's no way I don't see Williams walking away empty-handed when it comes to award season. But it starts tonight. They're almost there. A&M is almost there when it comes to basketball. They're right in the middle of that mark. They definitely have the firepower to be good. But I just don't think they're there right now. They're not at that same level that Calipari's at. There's a reason Calipari is heralded as one of the greatest coaches in basketball history. And one of the greatest coaches coaching right now. Why so many NBA teams want him for their roster. Because of the results he gets of his players. So while I think AM is good, Kentucky's better. Kentucky wins this game by, I think, eight points. Close loss, a lot closer than people expect. And Reed Arena will be popping, which could play in AM's favor at times. But down the stretch, I'm going to go AM loses a close one to Kentucky. Let's go 81 to 72. I think that's a good one. Nine points, 81 73, right around that range. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow's show, we will feature Jordan Reed from the Draft Network. He's also a buddy of ours at the Locked on Podcast Network. He'll be breaking down some of the top names to watch for up in Indianapolis. We'll be breaking down that with him tomorrow. We'll see you then. And remember, gig him, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.